Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The big right-hander ready and delivers. Swing and a ground ball to shortstop. Kim has it. Friendly hop. Throw to first. That is a no-hitter, and that is history. Joe Musgrove with the first no-hitter in Padre history. April 9th, 2021 at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. The kid comes home, and he gets it done. That highlight from the Padres radio network. Jesse Agler on the call. Yes, the highlight of the first 10 days of the Major League Baseball season is a pretty damn big one. Not the fact that we got a no-hitter 10 days into the season, because that surely happened before. It had just never been a San Diego Padre pitcher before. Their entire existence, no Padre pitcher had ever thrown a no-hitter. That is no longer the case, because Joe Musgrove, Pulled it off last night. Credit to that young man. Here to give me his thoughts on him and his local team. He's a Southern California guy. Uh, you can hear him on Sirius XM MLB Network Radio. And he's uh, doing some writing here, there, and everywhere these days as a free agent. Our buddy Scott Miller hops on with us here on CBS Sports Radio. Scott, were you watching the Padre game when Mr. Musgrove did what he did? Jody, nice to see you, hear you. Nice to be with you again. And yes, I was. And um, I, I'll tell you this, as you know, you said, I live in Southern California. So I was watching the Padre game, but because of living near San Diego and because of the history of the Padres, you just referenced, he has a no hitter after six innings. I'm like, ah, this ain't going to happen. Seven innings. Nah, it's the Padres. They're not going to get a no hitter. Eight innings. And then he got it, and what a night! And people in San Diego are buzzing today. I mean, it <laughs> it was a huge, huge month. Fifty three years into the franchise's existence, more than eight thousand games played, uh, you know, and it was just so perfect in that it's a San Diego kid. He grew up, even though he pitched for Pittsburgh, he got a World Series ring with Houston. He grew up in San Diego. His dad used to take him to Qualcomm Stadium. He's wearing number 44 with the Padres is in homage to his all-time favorite Padre growing up, Jake Peavy. Um, so if finally, not only do the Padres get a no-hitter, but it's it just it's remarkable the way this stuff works out in baseball, you know, because of anybody to get the Padres' first no-hitter, I can't think of a better choice. And it is a great backstory with him being a San Diego kid. And the Padres revamped their starting pitching staff. Uh, they added a bunch of arms during this offseason, the least of which I thought was Joe Musgrove. I remember him yeah. being part of that Houston team. I watched him pitch on the Padres the last couple of years. His career ERA is 420. 
It's not 320, it's 420. He's a solid <laughs> major league pitcher, but he's nothing special. And I remember listening to guys on your channel, Sirius XM's MLB uh, Network Radio and the MLB Network and the like, and people kind of getting excited about Joe Musgrove being added to the Padre rotation. I'm going, wait a minute. They added a Cy Young Award pitcher this offseason. They went out and got you, Darvish, who, if it wasn't for Trevor Bauer, would have won the Cy Young last year. What is everybody making a big deal about Joe Musgrove for? Damn, the guy's been great his first two starts. He has. He, he's he's really been lights out. I think he's a combination. He's so happy to be pitching for the Padres. Um, yeah, and, you know, as you know, Jody, I mean, the, the, the when the hometown kid pitches for the local team, it can go one of two ways. And the other way, it could go south pretty quickly, too, because, you know, when you pitch for the franchise you in the city in which you grew up, there's a lot of pressure. And you've got all kinds of high school buddies and relatives and people you didn't even know who claim to be your best friend. I say, hey, can you get me tickets? Can you get me this? Can you get me that? Oh, I love you. You know, I need to come watch you pitch. And, you know, some people, you know, go south under that kind of pressure. And, um, you know, so far, granted, it's only two starts, but uh, he's been wonderful. And, and the other thing, one other quick thought about this this no-hitter last night, Jody, um, again, is somebody's covered baseball for so long, and as somebody that's lived in San Diego, here was my fear on the Padres. Whenever they finally got no-hitter, you know, it, it, it became almost – cartoonish in that 29 other teams had no hitters. The Padres 53 years in still didn't have a no hitter. And my fear was for them that the way analytics have taken over the game, that you know how it is starting pitchers go five innings or so now, and then you get four relievers. And I thought, you know what, when the Padres finally do get a no hitter, it's going to be so anticlimactic because, you know, it's going to be probably one of those five-guy tag teams. And I loved that his pitch count was low enough last night and manager Jace Tingler recognized that and let him go for it. I loved that when the Padres finally got that no-hitter, it was an old-fashioned one guy goes all nine innings instead of one of these tag team numbers. That was uh, one of the, I said it in the first segment of my show tonight. Let me tip my hat to Jace Tingler, who, yes, had a guy up in the sixth inning to potentially come in, but didn't yep. bring him in. And the seventh, and he didn't bring And the eighth, and he didn't bring And And <laughs> that is just not the way Major League Baseball managers manage these days. But he did last night to let a guy do it on his second start of the year, first 10 days of the season, 112 pitches. That's the right way to do it, and I tip my hat to that manager. Congratulations for him. Uh, oh, by the way, Padres playing pretty good baseball. I guess we got to wait till like, September. We just get through these first 150-some-odd uh, games and then decide it between the Dodgers and the Padres as to who's the best team in the National League. <laughs> well, you know, uh, that's one way of looking at it. I'm sure up in Los Angeles the Dodgers are not looking at it that way, or their fans, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, look, the Dodgers have won eight division titles in a row. They're heavily favored to win number nine this year. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. The Padres certainly are talented, and and obviously bringing in Darvish and Snell and Musgrove has helped beef them up. But, um, you know, whether the the jury's certainly still out. I mean, I think the Padres can challenge the Dodgers this year, but 
The question is, as we know, the Dodgers are really, really good, and they're really, really deep. And I don't know still as much improved as the Padres are if they've got the depth to hang with the Dodgers over 162 games. Now, you know, who knows? I mean, crazy things happen. You get no hitters. You get Cody Bellinger on the IL with a bruised calf, and who knows what injuries are going to stack up. Um, but, oh, by the way, in San Diego, as you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. is on the injured list as well. So right. I'm not sure if they have the depth to hang with the Dodgers over 162, but they could, and it'll be interesting. I was surprised by the fact, I think I read today, maybe it was yesterday, uh, as of now, they're not planning on having Fernando Tatis have any surgery done. He messed up his shoulder pretty bad. Great story in that the kid wanted to play the day after before they got all the yep. x-rays and the MRI done, and then they did, and they go, yeah, forget about it. You're going on the IL. You're going to go into the game. You're going to play so you know uh, he's not resting on his laurels or his $300 million contract that he signed this offseason. His head is in the right place. But they're going to go rest and rehab rather than have surgery done? I would think with that $300 million investment, they wouldn't take a chance. They'd get that thing fixed. Yeah, yeah, that that's an interesting development. They say the doctors have assured them that if he plays instead of ops for surgery, that he's not risking long-term damage. That's, that's the present word right now. Um, I think the one thing that maybe, maybe will allow him to keep going it is his left shoulder. He's got a small, what the Padres say is a small labral tear in the shoulder. So it's his left shoulder. It's not his throwing arm. So that's a good thing. But as you saw, and most of the baseball world saw, um, when he hurt that shoulder the other day, it was swinging viciously at a pitch at the plate. So from that perspective, it doesn't matter, left throwing shoulder or not, if, you know, it was at the plate. Um, you know, so the other worrisome thing is, remember, he walked off the field the last couple weeks of spring training. He hurt that same shoulder, and he had to leave a spring training game. So this was the second episode with that shoulder in three weeks. So that is worrisome, and that means, you know, if he comes back, when he comes back, is it going to go out again? And if it goes out again, Jody, then I think, they're going to be forced to say, you know what, that's it. We got to, he's got to have surgery. So hopefully not just for the Padres, but for the sake of baseball, given what a talent this kid is, given how popular he's become, his personality, he's so good for the game. Hopefully when he comes back, he can at least wait and have play this year and have the surgery this winter. But, um, you know, the other interesting thing, to watch going back to what you just mentioned about the Padres and the Dodgers and the rivalry and this big race this year, he's eligible to come up. He's, he's with the team in Texas right now. And he took ground balls before yesterday's game. I believe before today's game as well, he seems to be moving. Okay. The MRI showed the labral tear, but no structural damage, no bone damage. So, if he comes back, he's eligible to come off the injured list next Friday, six days from now. Coincidentally, that's the day next Friday 
that the Los Angeles Dodgers sweep into San Diego for the first three of 19 games between these two this year. So it'll be interesting if he does come back the day he's eligible next Friday. And to your point, if he's able to stay on the field and stay healthy. What kind of percentage are the Padres getting into their building right now? Uh, they get about 20, I think it's 25%. Uh, they, they're getting, it's a, about 10,000. So yeah, about 25%. That holds, yeah, 25%. But the interesting thing, San Diego, just, they got a tiered system in uh, California and San Diego just moved into an orange tier. So basically what that, that was just this Tuesday of this week. So I think what that means is when the Dodgers come back, come in next weekend, the Padres' next homestand, because the county of San Diego has improved to the orange tier, they can go from like 25 to 33% capacity, I think, for the next homestand. Okay. Whatever that number is, oh, they'll be sold out for that Dodger series. I can yeah. pretty much guarantee you that. Uh, we're talking to our buddy Scott Miller here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right. Uh, did want to mention a different pitcher, not Joe Musgrove, who had the no-hitter, but my money, the best pitcher in baseball, who took another loss again today. I know the common belief in baseball is wins have become – a much less important stat than they used to be. It's so funny. We still keep track by wins in the standings, but starting pitchers, no, you don't have to worry about wins anymore. It's all those other metrics that matter, and I think that that's a load of malarkey. But when it comes to Jacob deGrom, it is so on point, it's ridiculous. He pitched eight innings, gave up one run today, pitched seven shutout innings against the Phillies in their opener, and they ended up losing the game. They lost again today. They're down one nothing. The bullpen let the Marlins tack on two runs in the ninth, so it was a 3 nothing loss by the Mets. But with his uh, ERA dropped in a day game today, he's got the lowest ERA in the history of Major League Baseball in day games, and he's barely above 500 pitcher. I have never seen anyone as hard luck a pitcher as Jacob DeGrom whenever he pitches either the Mets offense, the Mets defense, or the Mets bullpen comes up woefully small. What did this guy do in life to have such a bad karma when it comes to winning games? That's a really good question. That poor guy. I mean, you're right. He was lights out today, and they lose one to nothing. And, you know, a couple things. One, I mean – Usually the conventional thinking in baseball is when the pace of game is fairly crisp, the defense is better, the hitters are better, everything's better, right? And, and, and I say that because Jacob deGrom, the pace of his games is crisp. There's not like 12 conversations at the mound. There's not five pitching changes. I mean, he's out there, he's mowing down the opposition, you think – that it would behoove the Mets, everybody would be more on point than they are. And secondly, talk about an unfair game. I mean, how about the Mets win the other day when Michael Conforto should have been struck out? In fact, Ron Culpa, the plate ump, called strike three, and then said, oh, no, 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 wait, he was hit by the pitch. And as we all know, Conforto leaned into the strike zone, got hit on the elbow, you know, the Mets won that game. Don Mattingly and the Marlins had a 100% accurate argument that that right. should not have been allowed. Now, today, 
the ground pitch is great. I mean, the Mets should have lost that game the other day. They should have won today, but it's right. all opposite. Don't uh, quite figure it. And, uh, damn, I would take Jacob DeGrom on my team every day, twice on Sundays, every week, every year, but you would never know it from his one-loss record. Hasn't kept him from winning. So I tip my hat to the Cy Young voters who at least do the right thing and continue yep. to give DeGrom the Cy Young, even though he's got these minimalist numbers of wins over the years. All right, let me throw a couple of teams by you, and you tell me which has surprised you most. And I know it's a week of games. It's seven or eight per team. It's not a massive number, but uh, you, you take stock in whenever you uh, draw a line. I'll give you a couple that are surprisingly good and a couple that are surprisingly, well, I don't want to say bad, but underachieving to this point. The Yankees at three and five, the A's at three and seven, and they were two and seven. They did win today. And the Marlins, who were a playoff team last year, with the win that kind of got handed to them, but as you just said, uh, they shouldn't necessarily have uh, lost the day before. They are two and six. Meanwhile, you got the Angels out six and two, and the Cincinnati Reds at six and one. Is it a team with a uh, lesser record that surprises you most? or one of the teams that's gotten off to an unbelievable start that's got your attention most? You know, you've hit on a few teams there, and I'm trying to think. I had a few thoughts as you were going along, but the Angels uh, surprised me a little bit in that, you know, they've just been so disappointing the last few years. Um, I thought they're pitching. I thought they could be a surprise team this year because for them, they, they've scored runs in the past, and I thought they're going to score runs this year. For them, it's been all about the pitching. They have, their rotation has been abysmal the last few years. Adding Alex Cobb, uh, you know, they added Dylan Bundy last year, you know, and he certainly, you know, granted 60 games short in season, but, but he looked like he was going to be a good pickup for them. You know, and then Alex Cobb and Jose Quintana this year, at least they added some veterans that, that know what they're doing on the mound. They might not be Cy Young caliber type pitchers, but they did add some depth. I think the fact that the Angels improved their pitching um, gave them a shot to be a surprise team this year. And then, of course, obviously with them, the big story is that Shohei Otani has been healthy and he's, he's been in the rotation and in the lineup. And that's been a lot of fun to watch, and I hope he stays healthy. And if that, if he continues to stay healthy, you know, we could be talking to him for most valuable player in the American League this year. Uh, so I think the Angels have a chance to keep going. Um, the A's don't surprise me as much because, look, these guys, you know, they said goodbye to Marcus Simeon. They, they let go of closer Liam Hendricks, who was quickly snapped up by the White Sox. You know, they traded Chris Davis. Um the A's took some hits last year. Now, they're, they, they're reminiscent. They remind me of Tampa Bay and Milwaukee. It's like those two teams in the A's, they're, all three are kind of those smaller market teams that always seem to find a way to win. But when Oakland makes personnel moves like that, I have to say I'm not altogether surprised that they're not winning. Now, that's not to say they won't later in the year figure some things out, but they took some hits. So I'm not totally surprised there. Cincinnati, I am. Uh, they've scored a ton of runs. I mean, their first few games, 10 runs, 11 runs. Um, you know, we'll and and how bad last. were they in the playoffs? They couldn't score runs if you had spotted them yeah. second and third with no outs to start, and now they're this yeah. unbelievable offensive team to start the year this year. 
Yeah, go figure that. You know, Castellanos is off to a, a, a really sizzling hot start. Um, you know, and, and and up and down the lineup, they're they're wrapping the ball. So, you know, we'll see. But um, you know, uh, I don't know if they've got the pitching to sustain it. Um, you know, but but yeah, there've been there've been some several, both for better and for worse, eye-opening starts this year. Then Scotty Miller helps us uh, understand him and uh, make the most of him. Scott, great stuff. You know we'll be tapping into you plenty over the course of the season. Appreciate you hopping on tonight. How tempted were you to get in the car when Musgrove went six and then Musgrove went seven? How quickly can you make it from your house to, to the stadium downtown? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, it's about a 40-minute drive, so I'd have to think about it. But remember... The Padres, the only thing wrong with that no-no last night is he didn't do it in San Diego. It was their first road game of the year in Texas. Oh, I thought it was in in San Diego. My bad. And you couldn't make it to Texas in a half an hour. Not 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 with a Learjet, you couldn't have made it to Texas (laughs) in a half an hour. My bad. I thought it was in San Diego. Scotty, good stuff. I've I've done that before. Race to the ballpark when a no-no has been in progress. It wasn't in the cards last night. Scott, good stuff. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Appreciate it greatly. Talk soon, Jody. Take care, my friend. Scott Miller, uh, host on Sirius XM MLB Network Radio and writing for a couple of different outlets these days. A uh, free agent uh, baseball scribe who's been doing it for decades and does it well. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.